0: Privileged to be your speaker tonight, and I'm really privileged that you would come to hear me Um, because lots of you have heard uh, pieces of my story and uh, Quite honestly you so many of you in this all the spots of the of the building uh, Have much better stories than I have so so I and praying that God will do something special for my story to touch your story wherever you're at tonight my title that I gave was the gift of limits and of course when it always seems like when you figure out what you're gonna say you pray about it then God starts showing you constantly all these different things that that tell that same story So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. They say this is important. So tonight I hope to convey to you how God has used this gift of limits for me, give you a glimpse into my heart and mind um, so that I can be authentic and genuine with you as I've tried to reconcile that gift of limits and most of all, Really, most of all, that you could see through my story, as I have been reminded, that Jesus is really, really close in our greatest limitations. And then he ends up being limitless in what he does. This is actually a night that we wouldn't have seen coming, so we feel like there's some limitlessness happening even here tonight. Thanks for making that happen. So, I'm just going to pray this scripture over you and for my own heart. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's us. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you, and i may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of god that's in ephesians three seventeen to 19. so i wrote in my journal um one day when we got home from sabbatical i am a limit it seemed like an important thing to write down at the time and i'm only beginning to really see why that is so to give you history dallas and i began just our sabbatical January 2019 and it was a generous gift from this rock church we began with a counseling retreat with our ever kind but firm Bruce Pringle Dr Bruce Pringle he's the real deal he's not a fake counselor he's real and he took us he took us all the way through the real counseling we walked um, into deeper levels of healing, and we're very thankful for that. Then our family left on at the end of January to go to Southeast Asia for three and a half months, and we traveled to Thailand and Bali, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Hong Kong. And it was a trip of a lifetime, and I could talk for many hours about that, but I won't. We met incredible people who have poured out their lives for the precious people of Southeast Asia. Two are here tonight. Sweet Marjorie and her husband Graham. We got to spend quality time in Thailand with them and even a little in Bali. They took us in their truck and drove us around all over the place because we were too scared to drive in Chiang Mai and Karen Block, who is downstairs, we got to spend some quality time with her at the Well International. She has now moved here, back to her hometown of Saskatoon, and uh, really, really privileged to have these two special ladies with us tonight. And I honor you both for your faithful service. So, we spent time with these sacrificial missionaries and some other missionaries in an up close and real way to see what they do there. And uh, it was beautiful. We enjoyed subtropical creation and that is my heart. Um, Jesus met us in those moments and we chose to press pause on the doing for the kingdom of God and we were just being with God. It's a really good thing. Don't skip that. So we're going back. Historical context for how I got here. We helped plant the Rock Church uh, 25 years ago in the inner city of Saskatoon. I was 18 years old when we began this grand adventure. That's the age of my daughter now who just started working here wow and we were married a a year and a half later we were in over our heads right from the beginning and but we were you know those young kids that knew everything about everything and uh, we wanted to change the world and we also believed we had no limits so we lived that way these were the catalysts to start me on this Journey of the gift of limits so by the way her story is kind of a example I think of what it looks like for us to tell our stories about how we all have these limitations all have these weaknesses and for the glory of God we get to tell how God gets made known through our limitations so it's just story after story after story of limits being made limitless three months ago i had a very clear picture as i was praying when we got home from sabbatical so i'm going to try and paint this picture for you i was in superstore not one of my favorite places to shop but i was there and I neglected of course to take a cart from the outside right when you forget to put your loonie in so I began randomly looking around and I quickly saw things that I needed and I began picking them up one by one off the shelf and I'm grabbing all these things And my arms are getting full and I've used all my fingers and I've now like there's stuff hanging off of every Single finger you guys have been here. I know I know you have because I've seen you walking around so I had the big bag of toilet paper hanging off my one finger and I'm just oh why didn't I get a cart and so it's now like under my armpits and I am totally awkwardly walking around with this heavy stuff and I'm not moving in an organized fashion I'm going from one end of the store to the other end of the store and then back again and then oh yeah I forgot that and then I better go back and I'm looking awkward and I'm looking like I'm in pain but I know that there's more things that I need to pick up and I'm looking at them thinking but I have no more room I have no more space i can't pick anything else up and then i look over to my right and i see jesus and he's standing in superstore peacefully patiently and he says i have this cart leah i'm happy to help you shop just put those things in my cart, and i'll push it for you because we can do this together and you forgot your grocery list typical of me and so i brought it with me and i noticed that you forgot a few items so i added them to the list and i'm instantly so relieved i put everything in his cart and it doesn't even seem to take any room there's all this space So we've got room to shop, and he starts directing me to each item to grab off the shelf. He's telling me where to go, everything that I need, and what I'm going to need it for. And this kind of shopping is like none I've ever had before in Superstore. I realize that I don't even have to remember everything, and I'm not actually in charge, that I'm just the co-shopper. So I'm so aware all through that process as I put things in his cart that he's going to take me all the way through and he's going to go through the till and he's going to even help me load my groceries into my car. So in light of that clear vision of my life, I digress. So back to when the plant of the Rock Church for any of you in the room who have planted churches or started businesses or done things that you don't have anything, any clue about what you're doing, you just don't know what you don't know. And so we just dove in and we said yes to everything. We did church of all kinds, outreach ministry, kids and bus ministry, Um, The program started then for the kids and the youth. We did a midnight youth group. Yeah, that's something in the inner city in the hood. (laughs) And yeah, just smiling and yeah, let's do it. Catering banquets, weddings, funerals. I didn't even barely know how to cook then, ladies. I didn't even barely know how to cook. We did camps. And we built facilities and ran them and fundraised and all kinds of things. And we learned a lot of things. And I want to tell you one very special story, because I've told so many stories of those chaotic days, but this one I don't think I've told. So my sister will remember this. It was the wildest event that I have ever been in, in a maximum security prison, Drumheller, on Christmas Eve. We delivered pizza, gifts, we did Christmas music, and we shared the message of Jesus to a wall-to-wall, unprecedented, 500-prisoner-filled gymnasium with no guards in the room. They reassured us that if there was a riot, we should just sprint to the small stage, and a group of inmates would surround us and protect us. This is me at the age of 21 and my sister at the age of 19 and we're singing at the front. Um, Oh, and by the way, the, the guards would just be up in the mezzanine with their guns ready if we needed anything. And we said, okay. And we did it. And we lived. So we were in Bible college then and... We were completing our degrees, and we would just constantly say to each other, like, they never told us this in Bible college. (laughs) They sure didn't tell us that. Our lives were not our own in those days, and um, I hope that they're even less today. But we were serving a limitless God, and that's who I believe He is. I just really didn't know my place in that. So we walked the aisles of life, back to my superstore vision, randomly, haphazardly, just picking things up and seeing needs everywhere. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, my favorite. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weaknesses. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's real. Somebody who did all those things wrote that. So I'm gonna boast of my weaknesses. Are you ready? Shortly after Dallas and I were married, the age of 20, uh, there was just a steady flow of sickness. I was getting injured or I was getting diagnosed. Doctors visits, regular emergency room visits and surgeries, Diagnosis of Meniere's disease, endometriosis, cysts, interstitial cystitis of the bladder, irritable bowel, ectopic pregnancy, two complicated pregnancies. Thank you, Jesus, for Brooklyn and Boston. Brooklyn's 18 and Boston's 15 now. And uh, I kept tearing my ACL, and then one day I fell down the stairs with Boston as a baby, and so that was motivation to get it fixed. At this time of my life, I was self-employed, and I was practicing massage therapy. We relied on my income, and I was trying to work through the sick days and the surgeries and the injuries. Uh, With many blessings of my business came just a fear of not being able to provide when I was getting sick. So over time, I just started to brace myself for the next wave to hit and knock me off my feet. It was much like when I was in the ocean in Vietnam, which, by the way, are beautiful beaches, and they have powerful waves. So I would try to, find my, try to find the surface and catch my breath, and then just when I'd find my footing again to stand up, the next wave would come and knock me off my feet. So that day, I lost my glasses in the waves. Vietnamese glasses are also very cheap. Yeah. And that day I could not, being able to see, since I couldn't see anything, I was very disoriented, much like my life at that time. And that brings me to the next wave of sickness. So I began a 14 month battle in 2004 with uh, acanthamoeba keratitis. It is an aggressive parasite living in our North American drinking water the parasite invaded my eye, causing unbearable light sensitivity and pain. So I was confined to bed in the dark. This happened when Boston was seven months old and Brooklyn was three. So I was incapacitated and I relied on daily support from my parents a lot, uh, Dallas, and many friends who stepped in to provide meals and childcare and lots of support unfortunately it resulted in an oxycontin addiction to treat the nerve pain and which by the grace of god i got off of that within a couple months and i have a much more empathetic response to anyone who has been addicted to anything Finally, I received the incredible gift of a cornea transplant in 2005. And in fact, this very night is an anniversary for me. I was miraculously moved to the top of the list over 100 recipients. I convinced the nurses to let let me come back for Winning Women. So i was at the hospital and i was waiting and waiting and waiting for the doctor to get there and then i convinced them to let me come so i was here and then i went back to the hospital and the surgeon gave me a new cornea at midnight that night that was 14 years ago tonight and i didn't even realize it till i was writing this out god Planted me on this night. So I praise God for that day. It changed my life. Transplantation is truly a gift. So that started my journey back to life in the light over the next year and a half. Strangely, I started developing all kinds of food allergies and sensitivities and stuff and I thought I was just getting sick with the flu repeatedly every week. And then after 16 years of marriage and ministry in 2011, Dallas and I hit a wall, and we now call it burnout. I had never before felt so uncertain of who I was and all that I knew about God. It all felt like it turned upside down. I. It was a dark night of the soul for me apart from the physical illness I was mentally confused and foggy all the time and I was an emotional wreck I just cried and cried and cried Um, and I became fearful and anxiety-filled and yes I was doing Winning Women all through this this marked the end of my working for pay life The last eight years have been a combination of doctor's opinions, pain management, rehabilitation therapy, and the last few years finding a way to escape the cold when my health refuses to rebound. So our time in Southeast Asia was really a gift to me. I had much less migraines and much less pain. So I know I love summer, and you hear me say that all the time here. The winters are difficult. So I have been limited and I have been a limit to my family in every sense of the word. Through this, I have been humbled, as I must admit, that I cannot commit to helping at my children's activities or even to drive them. I have had to cancel or go home early for just about everything. All of my friends are very understanding. I asked my son about how he felt over the years knowing that there were so many times that I was not dependable this is just like a week and a half ago it made me sad he said that you couldn't do those things or be there for some stuff but I just thought that was the way moms are and I said well what about dads and he said no I thought dads could always do things So that was difficult. Back to 2 Corinthians 12 9 and 10, though. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. So I gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses. And I take pleasure in weaknesses. Like, really, I take pleasure right now because I don't have a migraine. And in the moments of the migraine, I try to take pleasure and I try to rejoice. So I want to define what the gift of limits has come to represent for me. And we think of limits as being limiting or restrictive and definitely not from God, right? I had this belief anchored deep inside me and I couldn't understand why God would ever impose them on me because I was supposed to work for him so some examples of these limits that I have seen are our physical bodies we are subject to time time is such a limit but it's also a gift We get to sleep we have these parameters that we work through. And aging is, an, is a limit. Can I hear an amen? amen? Like, if you can say amen, that's the spot you can say it. Family of origins and ethnicity, governments, political systems, those things are limiting and a gift. And we saw that when we were away in such a different capacity. Being born in Canada is a gift, and some people call it the birth lottery. Marital status or singleness, I, have, I happen to have the best husband, sorry to say. Um, so he is the gift of gifts for me, but I also have limited him. And he could have done a whole bunch of things as a single pastor without me slowing him down. But he prefers to have me around. Intellectual capacity. Some of the knives in the drawer aren't quite the sharpest. (laughs) Speaking for myself. Material wealth. Some people just seem to, like, breathe, and they make money. And then some people are, become really good budgeters because they have to figure out how to use what they have. Work in relationships. Paid work is limiting of your time, but it is also a gift. Just ask someone who doesn't have a job right now and is looking for one. And then there's that raw material that's built into us, like our personalities, and whether we're extroverts and introverts. It's a limit and it's a gift. So there's gifts in all those limits and some of them are more hidden and we have to really dig to find the blessing. So I just wanna give you a little sliver of picture of Southeast Asia. When we were staying in predominantly Buddhist and Hindu cultures, it seemed to me that many of these precious, precious people come with a different foundational belief, and that is really that gods need to be appeased and that they must earn merit. They don't really expect, it seems, their gods to bless them unless they give And sacrifice like multiple times a day and a week and on many sacred days and we watched it in action Graham and Marjorie took us to some really incredible places to see Buddhist temples where they sacrifice things that we never think of here the business of those um, those idols is booming It seems, and they were all around us. They were in our Airbnbs, they were on the streets and then the businesses, and then they have these little homemade baskets that have food offerings in them or trinkets to earn merit, and they put them out in front of the gods multiple times a day. It's a lot of work. They get up at 5 a.m. in Bali to do that. These countries are limited in ways that we have not experienced here. That was—I've heard it, but I saw it, and it changed my understanding. They've endured so much war and political crisis and takeovers. Um, we were embarrassed to realize how little we knew about that side of the world and the suffering that they had been through, um, especially Cambodia with the Khmer Rouge regime. It was a horrific genocide if you don't know and two to three million people died in 1975 to 1979 and there's a really great movie on Netflix if it's still there called first they killed my father and it will tell the story so You're going to get to hear more about what goes on there from Marie Enns when she comes to share in November here. She's an amazing lady. You want to know her. Disease and catastrophic weather events like earthquakes and tsunamis are just so normal there. And we saw them rebuilding on an island where they were literally picking up bricks by hand and rebuilding their walls. And... It's just a steady flow of trauma and crisis, right? So it creates unmeasurable poverty. So I'm not an expert on this, but I'm going to try to relay what we saw and heard in Bali. And you know who is more of an expert is Marjorie, because she was there. It's called It's It's Silent Day. It's a Balinese Hindu holy day. And it, is, it signifies a day to give the Balinese people in the islands of Bali a break from all work, sound and light. So it is silent. There's no cell service. Business is closed. Everyone turns off their lights and power for a 24-hour period. Even on the satellite, that spot at night disappears. It's black. And it sounds really peaceful, right? However, the lead up to this involves creating large, menacing, like huge, nine-foot monsters that are meant to draw in all the evil spirits. They have accumulated, the spirits have accumulated over the island over the year, and then they collect them in these nine-foot-tall, sculpted, painted monsters that are paraded around the streets, the night before the silent day begins. So they scream and yell down the street and they chant and they call the evil spirits to come and embody these sculptures. All the men and the, ch- the women and the kids help draw the spirits in to collect these spirits and the sculptures so that they can be burned at the end of the night, so that they can get rid of all the evil on the island. And anything that might cause them bad luck or wreak havoc in their lives is said to be burned up. They believe that it will provide a year of blessing and favor and peace. And it's believed to ward off diseases and make them successful. It was very disturbing to me. As I prayed, it was clear that even though these practices made me very uncomfortable and it felt very different from our North American approach to life, it also convicted me. You know how we kind of think we deserve to be blessed and happy and healthy? Successful, we shouldn't have any limitations here. We should just multitask and experience everything and just not show weakness they earn it. So wh- I just started to wonder, like, why is my first thought that my life should be limitless and free of weakness? Why do I think that if a whole part of the world is coming at it from a different angle? Where there are limits and people who have been limited, God loves to step in. That's what I decided. So that's why he embraces me in my weakness. When I embrace my limits. Weakness just might be the key. Like laying in bed last night. I thought this is like the key to everything. (laughs) (laughs) My grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. Not just power. But perfect power is in weakness so the secret is Jesus loves weakness he embraced himself he it, he embraced weakness himself he as we know did that in unprecedented ways by coming from heaven to earth as a baby that's chosen weakness dying on a man-made torturous cross that's a good song (laughs) I'll just wait anybody else want to turn off their phones Mm -mm. dying on a man-made torturous cross chosen weakness but the ultimate human weakness I think his death. And he went to the grave for three days. And he sealed the deal on that weakness. So resurrection is the pinnacle of power. Being made perfect in weakness. Do you get it? because we're going to die, but we're not. (laughs) Because Jesus changed it, and that's why we get to boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on us. So I wasn't supposed to avoid the weakness. I was supposed to embrace it. I wasn't supposed to avoid my, my limits or feel badly that I had them. He made me human. I have weaknesses. I have limits. So I've decided, weak women, we should unite. <laughs> we're not going back to winning women, we're going go to do weak women. Uh, <laughs> Cause that's inspirational. <laughs> Nothing separates us from the limitless love of Jesus. One day I wrote this in my journal, and this is why it comes together for me. Actually, these limitations make me a threat to my arch enemy, Satan. He doesn't see me, my conquering, Christ-infused, redeemed nature He thinks he wins by relegating me to my bed in a dark room. He thinks I become unseen, mind numbed, and not understanding, feeling unseen and unacknowledged because I cannot do what I want or think I should do. And in this very moment, I feel the comfort of Holy Spirit. I know the desperate need I have for Jesus, his mercy and his healing power. Are real I get to hear the Word of God through my podcasts and if not through podcasts through the Holy Spirit just speaking them to me reminding me of words that I memorized biblical passages and songs over the years this silence this loneliness and this darkness actually pushes back the drone of the world's mind numbing noise and it brings me back to the intimate truth and in life that jesus has offered me his love i can war against the darkness in the darkness for as the apostle paul says in second corinthians twelve ten again therefore i am well content with weaknesses with insults with distresses with persecutions with difficulties for christ's sake for when i am weak then I am strong. So don't misunderstand my declaration. I'm ready and willing to to be healed. And I've asked for it many times. I'm ready for him to touch me today. And I know there are people in this room, downstairs, upstairs, that you need to be touched. He just hasn't said yes for right now yet unless he does right now. <laughs> he just keeps saying, wait, wait patiently. You can trust me. I know you. I love you daily. And I am coming for you. So his grace really is sufficient for me. And his power really is made perfect in my weakness. To conclude my, my story tonight, I just want to relay my one of my dark days. I am not trying to be trite about these dark days or make light of it. But I do believe that God is really made perfect. His power is made perfect in these hard days. So I had been given the official diagnosis of the parasite in my right eye that day. Myself, baby Boston and three-year-old Brooklyn had moved in with my parents so that they could help me while Dallas was at camp for three weeks. And the optometrist had come to the house and removed the Band-Aid contact lens. They had taken me off all the steroids Um, that made my eye feel good, but they were actually feeding the parasite. Still on codeine, but I was beginning to feel the full breadth of the pain. So there was no sleeping this off. I found myself rocking back and forth on my bed. Please help me, Jesus. After two hours, I was starting to panic. I had never had that much pain before. It was only getting worse. I do that when I don't think I can get a hold of my pain and I start to get afraid. I start to rock back and forth. That's when I know it's not going to be a good night. So I went into my parents' bedroom and said, I don't know what to do, it's just getting worse. They got out of bed and my mom laid me down on the couch and she placed an ice pack on my head. They covered me up. And my dad sat down on a stool beside the couch and laid his hand on me and prayed. I finally fell asleep for an hour, dreaming that this horrible thing was in my eye and I didn't know what to do. I woke up thinking, what a horrible nightmare, and then immediately saw where I was, and reality hit me. It was real. But I looked over and there was my dad still sitting there praying. I've never forgotten that moment. We have a Heavenly Father that sits with us through our pain and suffering and limits. He sent Jesus to redeem us, heal us and pray for us continually at the right hand of God. We have Holy Spirit as our comforter, laying us down, quieting us with his love like my mom did with the ice pack. He embraces us in our limits and he gives us rest. Will you pray with me? Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, some of us are still waiting for our healing some physical, emotional, or mental, and spiritual. And Father, you need, you know what we need before we ask. You're here tonight calling some back to your heart, so full of love, so full of love. Here tonight, you are even calling some of us to step out past our previous limits, Trusting in your love. God, we admit that we are limits. We have limited people and we have limited you. I have done this. And I am thankful that your mercy is so much greater than that. That nothing separates me from your love. Nothing separates any one of us from your love. God, I pray that you would come and meet every lady in this room, in the basement, upstairs, in the places that they feel weak, in the places that they feel limited. That they would lay that down and allow you to take up that space. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.